Electronics was definitely our biggest chaos causer. Our eldest, who was 15 at the time, was in a lot of trouble at school and at home. He seemed to not want to do anything, be on the computer and play really quite inappropriate and violent games. All of the things that he used to like doing, the, the little kid who we had such high hopes for, who was interested and curious and really smart and engaged the world, seemed to completely retreat into this online world and not be able to communicate with real people, um, be very irritable, not be able to follow instructions, very defiant and really an angry young person and not very fun to be around at all. We were just in despair really because we wondered what on earth had happened, where the child that we knew and loved had gone and why he just couldn't seem to do anything but play these horrible, horrible games all the time and that's all he wanted to do. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at calmthechaospodcast.com. Hey, 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 guys, it's Dana here, and I am so excited because I know that so many of you guys are struggling with electronics. We've been posting and asking questions about your biggest struggles when it comes to screen time. And so many of you have the balance between only wanting to do electronics and nothing else in life, or it's uh, getting them off of electronics, or it's the attitude they have when they're done doing electronics. And some of you have said, you know what, I'm just ready to throw the screens out the window. And some of you actually did throw the screen out the window and said that that was your biggest struggle is that now you need a new screen because you threw it out the window. I know that so many of you guys are struggling with this exact same thing, screen time. Now, I've got a mama here today who is going to be talking to us and she's going to be sharing what life was like when she was struggling with electronics with her kiddo. And he's a teenager. And so I know a lot of times people are so worried about what is going to happen at the end. If I let my kid be on electronics and I let them dive in and just pay attention to electronics and nothing else. Oh my gosh. Are they even going to be able to be successful in life? And I've got a pretty phenomenal story for you today from an amazing mama all the way on the other side of the world. So welcome Danielle. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. I am so excited to have you here. So Danielle, for people who don't know you or about your family, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah. So I do live on the other side of the world. I'm hoping it's not too echoey in here, but anyway, no. we'll just go with it with my husband and our three kids. And they are at the moment 12, 15 and 17. 
Okay. Um, when I found you, <laughs> they were two and a half years younger. Talk to me a little bit about some of the struggles around electronics, specifically in screen time, when you first started on this journey. When I first found Karma Chaos, I would say electronics was definitely our biggest chaos causer. Our eldest, who was, I think, had just turned 15 at the time, was in a lot of trouble at school and at home, but his behaviour at school was what was causing us the most concern. And he seemed to not want to do anything but be on the computer and play really quite inappropriate and violent games. Um, and all of the things that he used to like doing, the, the little kid um, who we had such high hopes for, who was interested and curious and um, really smart and engaged in the world, seemed to completely retreat into this online world and uh, not be able to communicate with real people, um, be very irritable, not be able to follow instructions, very defiant and really an angry young person and not very fun to be around at all. And we were just in despair really because we wondered what on earth had happened, where our the child that we knew and loved had gone and why he just couldn't seem to do anything but play these horrible, horrible, from our point of view, games all the time. And that's mm -hmm. all he wanted to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about the ripple effect of that. We've been talking about kind of the shame that comes around that and this guilt that we feel as parents when our kids are sucked into electronics and they're playing things that feel inappropriate or we see their mood is changing and we start to really worry about them. So what was happening for you? Was there a ripple effect in the way that you were now showing up and how you were interacting with him? Now I look back on it, I realised that I, it was really coming from a place of fear. Like I was so worried about what his current behaviour then would mean for his future. And as a parent, if you're trying to do a good job, you, you listen to all the sort of so-called experts telling you how much screen time is good and appropriate for your kids and um, the school would send out newsletters and advice about the latest app or warning signs or advice about how to keep your kids safe online and things like that. So it was always you'd constantly be questioning what you were doing, what the reality of your home life was compared to what you thought this ideal was that you aspired to and, and that everyone was telling you was what you should be aiming for to keep your kids safe and healthy and well-rounded. And so it just became a bit of an obsession really because I want to do my best. I want to be a good parent. I want to do the right thing. And yeah, just bombarded by all the advice and talking to other parents. And if they didn't have the same struggles that we were having, wondering what on earth was wrong with us? Why couldn't we get this right? What was wrong with our kid? Why didn't our kid want to do the things that the other kids were engaged in like sport and other activities yeah just really comparing ourselves to a lot of people and feeling really upset with our current state of our family and then I guess 
being super critical of our child and what he was doing because we were acting from this place of fear for the future because we obviously don't want our kids to turn out like some horrible obsessed serial killer I don't know all these you go your mind goes to these horrible places that you back a few years ago there are all these stories about places like in Korea where even adults were so obsessed with computer games and getting lost in reality that they couldn't even function in real life anymore and if your mind goes to those sorts of things mm-hmm. and you really worry Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting about your story is I think how common it is that, and I can tell you because I sent out an email, I can't even count how many, it's probably 200 responses to parents just highly concerned about their, their kids and worried and fearful of the future. So we're talking about removing that fear and removing that, but also some tactical, practical things of how you actually change the situation. And because for you and for many parents, it's not just the worry and fear, but they're seeing something different with their kid's behavior, right? So you were seeing him not be able to communicate. You were seeing him not be able to socialize. You were seeing him have a struggle with his behavior and with his anxiety and with his anger and like all these things and tying those together was causing a lot of problems as well. Before we get to the tactical practical, because I know you've got some really great advice here today. Can you just let's let's share some good news because I want to share some hope for some people that are here so they know why they should still listen and why you have some great news for them. Can you share just a little bit? You don't have to share the whole story. Just give a little bit, little tease. And we'll come back to it at the end. Where, where's your son now? So he's doing so well. He, I'm so proud of him. He has graduated high school a year early. He actually found an out-of-the-box way to get that qualification that we all know is so important and that we knew he was capable of, but in the circumstances he was in, it was just a huge struggle. So we had to find an out-of-the-box solution, but he has come away with that and he feels really good about himself. And he's been functioning in society really well, like working, a part-time job, saving up money and actually communicating with adults and like gaining life skills that we all hope our kids can get so that they can just get along in the world and do those sorts of things like paperwork and dealing with companies on the phone and getting things done and his life set up in a way. And we're really happy at home. Like he just, he can communicate and he feels safe and we're not yelling and arguing all the time. Yeah. He's come a long way as as have we all. Yeah, (laughs) It hasn't just been one one part. There is hope, right? So your kid can be lost in electronics and then make it to the other side where they are functioning in the world. They have a job, they've graduated school, whether it's an out of the box way or it's, you know, traditional methods, they can learn life skills. They can communicate in, was it just by taking away electronics? <laughs> no, not at oh, all. Oh no, no, that's so many people are wanting to know. Is it just that we went to a screen free? Okay, did you just remove all limits altogether? Not really. What we did remove was the conflict. 
around yeah, it. I love that so much. So well, that's what I hear so often is like, I either get stricter limits and then my kid hates me, or I remove all limits because it's not worth the fight. And that that isn't solving the problem either, right? And so I love that you're like, no, that's not what we did. So can you walk us through, I know that you are really well-versed in the UQ framework that we use here at Calm the Chaos. Okay. Yeah, as you mentioned, it really wasn't just focusing on this one aspect of our life, which seemed super hard at the time, which was the electronics. It was more utilising the whole, the UQ framework that I learned through Calm the Chaos. And so that, so the UQ refers to you as the centre of everything that happens in your family, the linchpin. And then the C is connect and the U is understand and the E is empower. First of all, what I um, found worked best was to really dig into me and what my thoughts were about the struggle with electronics and and why I actually became so obsessed. I, I became as obsessed as my son did about the electronics because I was trying to control it. I was trying to find a solution and it got to the point where I was, I was looking, I was watching him like a hawk, you know, trying to enforce these limits that I was told I had to in order to have a happy, rounded, safe child. And the conflict around watching him like a hawk when it came to electronics was just killing us. It was our relationship had pretty much dissolved. It was so toxic because he felt like he was almost a prisoner and I was just getting more and more obsessed with whether he was doing the right thing, complying with our rules, that sort of thing. So I really had to dig into me and where this obsession for control was coming from and it was fear. Like I really was catastrophizing an outcome for his future. And once I'd done that, I really just had to stop the conflict altogether. And it seems so impossible to do. This is the connection piece because I realised that we had lost all connection. Like the child that used to love me and come up to me and ask questions. Go on, Danielle, real fast. I love this so much about removing the fear and going from control and obsession. What was this? What was like, how did you do that? Was there a swap or a thought that helped you lay that to the side? Oh, it's so hard to look back and come at it from that angle where I was before, because it really was, but I think it was, I just had to take a leap of faith. I don't know if I, if I think about it more clearly, I could probably come up with the Mm -hmm. actual swap, but I just, I had to take a leap of faith in because I'd seen so much goodness come from Calm the Chaos and how I'd changed thinking about myself. Yeah. Um, and it was like, did I hear you that it was like stopping that catastrophizing? So once you started to catastrophize, you just, you made a point to stop the spiral. Yeah. I had to just, look, I'm not sure. It's a fantastic question and I will think on that, but I just took a leap of faith that mm-hmm. trusting this you connect 
understand and empower i knew that there must be something else under the surface like that mm -hmm. iceberg theory of his yeah i think it was this all behavior is communication like mm -hmm. that this is coming from somewhere there's a need there's a struggle that i'm not understanding properly and that child that i used to know is still in there somewhere and i can get i had faith that i could get that relationship back mm -hmm. And if I stopped behaving, like it was my behaviour really that was causing him to be so on edge all the time because I was criticising him. He couldn't do a thing right in my eyes because he wasn't complying with our rules. Mm -hmm. And removing that toxicity in the household allowed me to see those little glimpses of the boy that I used to know. So, yeah, that all behaviour is communication I think is probably the basis that allowed me to stop that catastrophizing. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. And now you're moving into the connection piece. You saw that because of the criticizing, because of the, the controlling that your conversations and your relationship was really broken. What did you do to build that back up? Yeah, in Calm the Chaos, we learn about the five to one positive interactions need to really heavily outweigh the negative. And in our household at the time, there were pretty much zero positive interactions and there were zero for him at school as well, I came to realise, because he was constantly in trouble. And so this poor kid, I know now looking back on it, of, of course he felt unsafe at home, like all he got from us was criticism, yelling, telling him to stop and telling him no and being exasperated with him about why can't you just X, Y, Z. It was just all negative interactions. And I really had to focus on trying to reduce those negative interactions and and constructing, actually inventing, uh, construing ways to to have more positive interactions with him was which wasn't easy because mm. for so many years it had been this way of him always being in trouble and he was our like quite difficult kid dana here and guess what my book calm the chaos has officially launched so if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable i'm a hundred percent sure you're gonna love the book you can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. So what I managed to do was find three areas that we could connect on. And it did take a while, but I just had to like chip away at it and just be really subtle and take my time with it. But it was, we connected over the pet who we really loved and I would notice things and tell him things about what the, the dog or the cat had done during the day mm -hmm. or, you know, we'd chat about things or we'd pet them, pat them together and just finding little ways to connect in that way. The second way was over food and cooking because he really is a foodie. He really loves food. And so I would encouraging, encourage him and ask him what he would like me to buy at the grocery store and I would cook him things and I'd get him to help me making new things for dinner, that sort of thing. And it, and it was slow. He, it was something he didn't feel attacked over. Mm -hmm. So we connected in that way. 
And there's just these little moments where he knew he wasn't going to get criticised, that it was safe for him to just speak and have an opinion and to just be himself, really. And then the third area was because he was so good at electronics, I would ask him to help out with things, even just around the house or fix the TV or hook up the new device or ask him to help out with his younger siblings' computers Things like that, even if we didn't actually need his help, I'd like fake being a bit dumb with it just so that he could really feel good about himself and that he was knowledgeable and helpful and and because we'd say thank you. Obviously, we were grateful for his help. And I would even say to the, the teachers at school, can you provide some opportunities for him to be the AV assistant there at school? Things like that, that he would feel empowered and good about himself instead of constantly being criticised. And that seemed to really work. So those three areas of connection and, and reducing the amount of times that I would criticise him for doing the wrong thing, I just have to let that slide a little bit because it was really important for me to, to build up those positive interactions. I just have to swallow my tongue, bite my tongue kind of thing, and not just say, can't you clean that better? Or if you did something now, inadequately. You were gonna, did that mean that you were going to be like just letting him get away with it? Because I think that's what people got really worried about. Or was it that you were going to be doing, focusing on it later? Yeah, I was going to focus on it later. And I, we actually did, and it was actually more productive to do that because once he was not on high alert all the time Mm -hmm. and not expecting to be criticized every time I opened my mouth, there, there did become that safer place where we could talk about things later and say, And I'd have to do it in a really calm way and a a non-critical way and say, oh, hey, when we do this, it will be really helpful if you did X, Y, Z because and explain it and bring in other examples about other people so that he didn't feel so attacked. Mm -hmm. Because when I look back on it, he was just like it was relentless, the criticisms at school from the teachers and from us in the home. um, He couldn't do a thing right. So we did deal with things later. But I couldn't do it at that moment when he felt so attacked because he wasn't open to listening to it. That makes so much sense. This is kind of like a backwards way of dealing with electronics, right? Like one, we're talking about dealing with you and you're taking that controlling and obsessive feelings about electronics and removing your own fear and saying, all right, there's a need behind this. So I'm, what can I do? I can stop like obsessing over this. And then connection, I can build connection because right now I'm just criticizing him and telling him to stop. And why would you do that? And I already told you and get off and all those things and building these out of the moment connections around pets, around food, and honestly around electronics, like using this love of electronics to actually connect on a deeper level so that later you could solve the problem. So can you talk to me a little bit about what was the next step after this? Yeah. So once I realized his nervous system and my nervous system had calmed down a lot, that we weren't constantly hyper aware of what each other was doing and expecting conflict all the time. Once we'd built up that connection a little bit and we both knew it was safe to just talk about normal things without being under attack, our relationship started to grow and I could get curious about what it was that was under the surface Mm -hmm. and, and why 
he felt that the only, you know, safe and enjoyable thing that he could do was these computer games. Like he used to be so active in lots of different things and he just gave all of that up. He didn't want to do it anymore and all he wanted to do was play these computer games. Didn't want to be around us as a family. Just really it seemed to us like he just wanted to isolate himself. And so once our relationship had opened up a bit and he felt safer, I could ask him about the problems at school and uh, why things felt really hard for Mm. him and why he thought that they had changed from when he was a bit younger. And, And I started to see that it wasn't that he was deliberately being this little monster who wanted to destroy his own future and wreck the learning opportunities of his classmates. It was, he was really struggling in that environment. There were, I didn't even realise, I didn't even know that there was sensory issues that kids could have. And I started looking into that with the help of being made more aware of it from Calm the Chaos. And the classroom environment was actually really hard for him. Super noisy. He was, had a, excuse me, attention issues that I didn't realise. And he was struggling to keep focused and so one of his coping mechanisms was to misbehave and then because he was constantly in trouble and other kids like I also realized he had some social skills deficit like he didn't get along he couldn't get along with most of his peers in an easy way he had always gravitated towards adults and he could converse really well with adults and It was hard for him in the playground. And so he retreated into the computer games, I found, because it was something that he could control his world there and he could connect with other kids online who were more like him because the kids in his school and his class mostly didn't like the same things as him and they didn't communicate in the same way and he he felt a lot safer in this online world. And so once I understood, started to understand that's what that need was fulfilling. I could approach it with empathy rather than really anger and um, like that it was some deliberate thing and that he was addicted and it was catastrophizing this whole thing. It was like, this is my kid and he's struggling in the real world and there are maybe things that I can do to help instead of being angry and yelling at him and making his home life really toxic there are other ways that we could be to try and help him yeah yeah that's awesome and I really love this piece here of when I think when we can look at electronics from a different angle and we can say okay but why is my child take taking to electronics right is it for the connection is it for visual stimulation is it for a coping mechanism is it to calm down anxiety is it to feel safe what is the need that's actually behind the use of electronics now you can start to make a plan for other ways to fill that need or allow them to fill that need with electronics but starting to have those conversations and you can't do that 
if you're not connected and if you're coming from a place of fear and anger and worry. And so I love how this is building on each other. And I hope this is really helpful for other people to see in real life, how this, how you can apply this and get at least one takeaway. And then I know that there's one more big step because we talked about earlier, people worry so much of, okay, I'm not going to let it bother me. Okay. I'm not going to criticize Okay, I understand that the behavior is there because of a reason, but they've got to learn a lesson. Like I hear that so often. And I believe that your last step goes into that learning piece and um, that skill development piece. Because if you had just done this, we wouldn't be at this end result of him learning life skills and him working well and him communicating and him graduating a year early. So what was that final step here? Yeah, so in the UQ framework, the last step is empower. And I think once you've done the other three pieces, the the you, the connect and the understand, you're both in a safe place where you can communicate openly and try to problem solve together so that it's not just the parents setting a rule or a boundary and then making the kid enforcing that boundary because you know best and this is what the experts say. What we could do once we were connected again and we could understand what the struggles were and what the needs were, you know, just those communication lines were open and I could understand why he was using so much electronics, what he needed from that And he could speak up for himself, like we'd talk about how to get around the struggles at school and how he could try and get along better with the teachers and how he could adapt and ask for different ways to do his schoolwork that were getting an outcome that the teachers and the school and the school wanted and that we as parents want, like he's a really smart kid and we wanted him to learn and achieve his potential as well so that we would be happy with that, but that it wasn't so difficult for him in the circumstances. So really him getting to know himself, being able to speak up in a way (laughs) that they're willing to listen because when we're coming from a place of fear where we tend to lash out, we're going to that fight and flight where it's either you fight, you argue, destroy things like he was scribbling over exam papers, those Mm -hmm. sorts of things in defiance, or we run away and you just don't do the work, which is also what was happening because it's too hard. So you get out of that that fight-flight thing and you can actually communicate, try and work together, and that's where he could use the electronics as he wanted and as he needed, but it also wasn't as a byproduct of our communication, building him feeling better about himself because he could understand himself and feel understood by other people. Mm-hmm. He found other things that he was good at, like he felt good about himself, could communicate, and those skills just started developing where he could communicate and feel safe. He, I think also it is an age thing, you know, developmentally they go through in the that kind mm-hmm. of, 15, 14, 15, 16, they really don't, you know, listen and agree with what the parents are telling them. But then naturally, I think they start to see, he start to see his younger siblings doing similar things and he'd start judging that and go, 
oh, hang on a minute, that's what I used to do too. And there's like this natural development that happens when he feels safe, he can start analysing that and go, maybe that wasn't such a good plan to stay up all night playing computer games and feeling really tired and not being able to do things. He could, he had that safe place and that further development to, to see things in a new way. I think it was really critical to his success um, as he got older. For anyone watching, it might sound, you can, hopefully you can hear that this is, these are like small iterations, right? So first Danielle had to really work on herself and her own mindset and how she was viewing electronics. And so for many of you guys, that's going to be your very first step is just to make that thought swap. And then once you have that pretty good and solid, now you can start to really focus in on how can you build those out of the moment connections so that your child feels safe to talk to you or to communicate communicate with you. And then once that feels solid, now you, and you don't have to have the best relationship in the world, but it's a great, you have to build up that trust and safety. Like Danielle said, of getting the, your getting your nervous system both to a calm place where both of you are receptive and able to have a community, have a conversation without feeling attacked. And then that third piece is understanding. And I think that is lacking in a lot of electronics use right now. Now, If we think about, right, the last couple of years, our kids have needed electronics to connect with the outside world. It's been the only way that our kids have ever been able to connect. And they're savvy. They understand much better than any of us of like how to turn on apps and how to create apps and how to make emojis and how to do all these things and how to text. And um, I think we're always so fearful of what could be When some people are always, I hear this a lot. I hear when they get a job, they're not going to be able to be on electronics. And I'm like, that's like poppycocks or whatever. Let's just come up with a silly word there. I own a business, but most of my work is done on a computer and it's done. A lot of times I do like speech to text. I don't even write it myself. And so I think we have to open up our view of what electronics can do for us and for our kids. And, and I love how you really hit home this, let's get curious and let's look at like, where was he using electronics for control? Where was he using it for connection? Where was he using it to avoid sensory overwhelm or to get sensory input? Where was he using it to help him focus because of the fast moving things? How, where was he using it to feel safe? I think those are really great questions that anyone watching this can can ask themselves. And then finally, that empowerment piece, right? And again, you don't want to move to this too soon, right? If I was to go Google electronics plans right now, I'm going to find contracts and I'm going to find all sorts of ways to get your kids to have a certain plan with electronics and this problem solving and this role playing and this conversation um, and this back and forth of this is my concern. And what I heard you say is letting him make his own mistakes. So letting him stay up too late one night and then sleeping all day the next day and being like, oops, right. Or letting him see that he missed out on something that he actually would have enjoyed. And I just, I really love the skills that you taught him through that without overtly saying you must learn this skill, you must get off of electronics. Just thank you for this. I think it's a fantastic way for people to see how to 
change the conversation around electronics. What is one thing you would say to any parent that they're struggling? They're worried about how to create this electronics plan. They're worried about that balance between real life and and how much electronics they're using. Because I feel like that's what we really talked about here is how to create that balance. So what would you say to one of those parents? I would say that I know it feels so hard. And I remember when I was in the middle of it, I thought there was just no way out. I could just see horrible things in both of our futures because of the struggles over electronics. But there is hope and our family is testament to that, that you can rebuild your connection with your child and you can come out the other side in a really good place. But I think the the main key is to really build that one-on-one connection with your child that is nothing to do with electronics, just on a human-to-human basis so that you both feel safe in your own home and that you can talk about things together without constantly feeling like it's this battle like it's really for me it was about removing the conflict and it's not a magic bullet and a magic pill we have two other children younger than him and obviously every single day electronics becomes uh, even more and more part of our lives even as adults and we're not going to escape this but I think making it you know, a safe part of our everyday lives that we can just interact as humans again, just like they were when they were really tiny, so that we're all feeling safe and and not attacked about electronics. Because electronics aren't the bad guy. Like they make our lives so much easier in so many ways when you really come at it from a point of gratitude about. So it's not about the electronics, really. It's about human relationships and communicating and feeling safe with each other. That's really what it is to me. That's so much. And you said something, you said it's about removing the conflict and something that I think I've been hearing a lot. One thing that kind of kept coming up over and over again is chaos without the conflict right? You can't avoid the chaos. Like that is going to happen, right? And a couple of months ago, we were talking with Louis Lynn and Louis Lynn said, look, I still have chaos, but now it's lovely, happy, joyful chaos. Whereas before it was yelling, intense, conflicted chaos. And I think that is the difference is that you have the, you have empowered chaos. You have this, you have chaos without fear, chaos without conflict, chaos without the without the battles and the arguments. Um, instead, it's just the busyness of life because we can't avoid that, right? Mm. Um, and I just think this has been so helpful, so powerful. And I believe that you also helped out with the in our huddle membership. Did were you the one that did the electronics? Yeah. Uh, for- Yeah. For those of you who are in Huddle, be sure to check out the Electronics Framework in Action. Uh, It is by Danielle. Uh, It includes the scripts and it includes the the scripts she used. It includes the empowerment activities and it walks through everything that we talked about here today. We would love to keep this conversation going about electronics because I just got to tell you, friends, you are not alone, right? Like you are not the only person struggling with electronics. It is really prevalent right now. It's probably one of the most common struggles right now. And so you're not alone. You didn't do this. You didn't fail your kid. 
kid's going to be okay, right? You don't have to be in fear. And, and there is a way forward. And that first way is just like removing that fear, removing that, that stress and worry over it and just start taking it baby step by baby step. I just want to remind you guys to, to know that you are not alone and that you can do this. Danielle, any final words? You got this. It's okay. There's support here. And you're not like Dana says, you're not the only one and there is hope because we got through it and I just really didn't think we were going to, but my kid is doing so well. What happened recently? You totally missed that one big He did something. So he was like getting in big trouble, right? With the electronics. And it wasn't just the electronics. That was his escape from the trouble he was Mm. getting into. But you were really worried at one point. And now what was the latest thing that he did that's just so amazing? Yeah, he earned enough money to buy his own car and um, a really good car. And he did all the negotiations like he found this secondhand car online. He negotiated with the guy, went down there. He did all the paperwork, the registration and the insurance. He handled all of that himself, like interacting in the real world with adults. And he's so proud of it. And he's just doting over his new car and cleaning it. Things that you wouldn't think like he would have cleaned his own room. But how did he earn the money for that? Oh, yeah. So he, he, he did have um, a part-time job um, at a fast food store, which he was working at five nights a week, but he also used his, his genius zone of electronics and he taught himself crypto trading and he's like really doing super well. Like I think I'm going to take a loan out with him. Um, <laughs> I've got to get some tips because he's earning a heap of money using that his genius zone of electronics and he empowered himself in a good way and doing stuff that he loves and makes him feel good about himself so yeah he's doing super well and i have so much hope for his future because he can do anything and he knows how to get around in the world now and talk to people and use those skills that he's learned. And he doesn't have to get my idea of what I thought his future was going to be. He's doing just fine doing it differently. So I'm really free. Yeah. My favorite part of this whole story is just he bought a car and I just I wish we had pictures of it, but he bought a car. It's really amazing. It's a vintage car, same age as him, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And <laughs> he used his superpower of electronics. The thing that you were the most worried about him with actually turned out being this superpower for him and being something that he was going to use to create his out-of-the-box life. This is something that I think can bring all of us hope that no matter what the age is, if your kid's a toddler or your kid's a teenager or your kid is 17, whatever, even if they're beyond and you're like, wait a second. Okay. So how can you build that relationship, remove the conflict so that they feel safe around you to explore their superpowers in a way that it can benefit them and you. It's just so powerful. Everyone, please thank Danielle. Danielle, thank you so much for joining today and having this chat with us. It was amazing. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm just glad I can help some other parents out there who feel like they don't have much hope because that's not true because um, we did so well. And it's all thanks to 
Dana and the Karma Chaos team for helping us get through this. So thank you. You did the work, my friend. You did the hard work and you put this in action. We were just there to support you along the way. You didn't have to do it alone. And neither do those of you that are out there feeling alone and frustrated right now, especially with electronic. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.